My favorite thing to do in ministry is to do my leadership class, and every year is my favorite class, at least I say that, and this year, for sure, my best favorite class. And so graduating requirement is to preach a sermon, uh, and uh, some guys don't get in the class because of that, but it is so uh, important to build confidence and assurance and to know that God's using you is to uh, get up in front and to speak, because if you can't talk in front of friends, how are you going to be a leader? How are you going to do things out in the real world with people who don't like you? And so we get three uh, great guys going to share tonight, and we're going to start with Isaiah. And while he's coming up here, I'm going to pray for the guys. Father, thank you for the guys that spent so much time this year studying, learning, growing, uh, memorizing Bible verses. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you will use them powerfully in their homes, at their workplace, in their communities, and in our church in the days ahead as, as leaders, men who have been given authority from you. Uh, to speak, to, to make a difference. I pray that you will just speak through them tonight as they share. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you. I love you. All right. Always wanted to say that. Okay. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Let me say that again. Everything rises and falls on leadership. One last time for effect. Everything rises and falls on leadership. For the last six months, I've been part of D's Leadership One class, and that message has been said over and over and over again since the start of the class. And the thing that I have found out that is that I needed it to be said over and over and over again before I would finally start doing or finally start to believe it, and more importantly, do something about it. For those of you who do not know me, I'm an accountant. Need I say more? Accountants are legendary for their natural leadership gifts, said no one ever. Most accountants are known for being the passive person in the back seat, making sure that the real leaders get the information that they need to know in order to make good decisions. The kind of people that like to know everything about running a business and how it works and all the numbers, but not the one actually doing it. We are the ones who usually are very risk adverse, and because of that, we're usually number two in the leadership team, and that's the way we like it. We are not the CEOs of the world, we're the accomplice. I am not your typical accountant, though. Those are the first words out of my mouth when I met my wife and I told her that I was an accountant, praying that she would actually give me a chance before running. I'm more extroverted than most accountants, and I do like leadership, but I'm not always the first person to jump up and say, pick me. I largely think that this is because uh, the years of being abused by my three older brothers and learning that it was, wasn't, that my way wasn't going to be the way that things were going to be done. I've been to college and stu uh, taken several management classes. I've been involved in church all my life and have been to many leadership seminars. have heard countless t uh, sermons on the topic. Most of the time I would walk away feeling uh, <clears throat> good and uh, feeling nice and only to come back and be right back where I was a week later, happy to be number two and in the passenger seat of life. 
as part of the leadership class, we've been examining the traits of a leader. And the thing that has become brutally evident to me is that true leaders are leaders because of God-given authority, not just natural ability. God rewards people by giving them leadership. Whoa, let me say that again. God rewards people by giving them leadership. Most of you are thinking right now, if God rewards with leadership, then I don't want the reward. God rewards people by giving them leadership, influence, authority, and power. I would like to first point this out by the parable of the talents. In Luke 19, 11 through 27, we read the fa- uh, familiar parable of the talents. Each servant was given their own amount of money, and the reward for being faithful and earning more was that God placed them in charge. Luke 19, 17 says it like this. Well done, good and faithful servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Wait, I thought these guys were just good at earning money. And because Jesus comes back and says, because of that, I'm going to make you leader of cities. That's not at all what he said. He said, because you are trustworthy, I'm going to make you a leader. This is stated again in Luke, in the passage of Luke 16, a few chapters earlier. It says, whoever can be trusted with, um, in a very little, can be trusted with much. But whoever's dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. Okay, I see how this works now. I'm faithful with a few talents. I should be trusted with a few more talents. Unfortunately, that's not where this passage ends. Luke 16, uh, 11 then goes on to say, so if you've been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, talents, Who will trust you with true riches? All of a sudden, the parable of the talents has a lot more meaning a few chapters later when God takes one who is faithful with money and gives them true wealth of leading cities. Trust equals leadership equals leadership equals authority. Authority equals power. Going the next step, we have trust equals leadership equals authority equals power equals faith. Wait, where did faith come from? A lot of uh, translations in the Bible says, if you are faithful with the small things, then you will be faithful with the large things. I've really struggled with this concept of faith throughout my 28 years of Christianity. I would read through the Gospels where Jesus would say, your faith has made you well, and then struggle time and time again. God, why don't I have that kind of faith? Or why would it take me Or what would it take for me to have that kind of faith because I need a miracle right now? After all, it takes is a small must, or faith as small as a mustard seed to move a mountain. So I prayed as I watched my dad almost die my my senior year of high, uh, high school from pancreatitis. And then I prayed as my Christian parents got a divorce and my family fell apart. And I prayed, um, as my family continued to fall apart. And I don't talk to my brothers and sisters anymore as much as I used to because they don't want to have anything to do with God. I have a dad that doesn't, hasn't met his grandkids, and I've prayed, and the list goes on. My faith in God has been especially questionable as I've watched my wife with unidentified health issues over the last two years, 
going to numerous appointments with doctors in Albany to Portland to Minnesota uh, to Mexico, hearing everything from you have cancer and need a bone marrow transplant to, oh, it's just an autoimmune issue or fibromyalgia, all while raising two kids under the age of three. To say my faith has been tried would be an understatement, I feel like. The thing that I've come to realize, though, is through this process, the more faithful I am in those moments, the more faithful he has been. God might not have been providing me, provided the healing that I was looking for in all those situations, and still hasn't healed my wife yet, but he has healed my heart time and time and time again. But wait, how was I tying faith back to leadership? One of my faith. One of my favorites, your faith has made you well, passages, has come from Matthew 8, 5 through 10, and verse 13, and it says, Now Jesus had entered Capernaum, and a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, my Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I am a man also under authority, having soldiers uh, under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to the servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, in all, not even in Israel. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. The one man credited with faith greater than all of Israel comes to the understanding that faith is a recognition of God-ordained authority, power, and leadership. The centurion recognized who he was talking to, and because of that recognition, it was credited to him as faith. It is this passage where I start to find myself. I'm not comparing myself to the man uh, on the same faith level. But, no, it is here where I learned that my faith is a lot like leadership. While centurions were commanders of numerous soldiers, they were only commanders of a subdivision of a full Roman legion. This means that this guy knew what it was like not only to give orders, but also to take orders. He also knew that authority, or he had authority, but his authority could be removed if he had not followed the commands of the leaders above him. It is in this case that he recognized Jesus had the authority given from God to heal the sick, and that recognition of authority is counted to him as faith. I start to find myself recognizing that I am not number one in my life, and I shouldn't be. I find myself uh, in submission to God, and God's authority in my life, and the more faithful that I am to his order, or the more that I am faithful to his orders, the more leadership he rewards me with. Trust equals leadership equals authority equals power equals faith. In closing today, I want to wrap up with the real kicker of the leadership reward. God wants to create leaders. He's looking for leaders who will rise up and answer the call of go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, 19. 
this is his mission, and he, while I'm subjected myself to his authority, I, became that so, I become that soldier uh, in his army. And the more faithful of a soldier I am, the more I realize the authority and leadership rewards that he gives me. When I'm, when I hit, when I'm hit with the realization that in order to be great in the kingdom of heaven, I must also become a servant to all, just as Jesus did, showing his disciples to wash the feet of those around us. So then, we have trust equals leadership equals authority equals power equals faith equals servanthood. God's math does not make sense to me. Dee's leadership class really couldn't have come out of worse time for me personally. After all, I'm too busy for that. I have two kids under three, a wife with medical issues, a broken extended family, work, a house that needs fixed, and the list goes on. But in all of these moments, I've learned that's when my best days as a leader in my house have been the days that I've served my children. They've been the days that I've served my wife and put her needs over my own. They've been the days that I've been faithful to read my Bible and pray. The days that I have been trustworthy even though I didn't understand what was going on. Relying on God's trustworthiness, leadership, authority, and power. All of a sudden, this formula becomes trust equals leadership equals authority equals power equals faith equals servanthood equals the strength to carry on regardless of my circumstances. In these moments that God's word becomes living and active to, to me, I start to walk next to the leaders throughout the Bible. I read Paul, who was faithful, leading the early church, and was given strength to carry on regardless of his circumstances. I see it when I read the story of Abraham leaving, leaving his family, not having a clue what God was doing and where he was taking him, but faithfully walking with him. This faith was then credited to him as righteousness, and Hebrews says, and it caused him to be the father of a nation. Sounds like quite the reward. When are you going to start yielding to God's will, following God's way, trusting in his power and his process? There's never a good time for it, but in all honesty, the thing that I've learned throughout this class is that there will never be a better time to start the process than right now. I want, to be, I want God to be in my life. I want to be rewarded with the rewards that God gives, but that means I better be prepared to lead. A, to lead a life that is set apart for him, to lead, a, lead down the road that he calls me, to lead through the trials that I face, recognizing that it is going through the darkest moments when God builds my faith because I prove trustworthy regardless of the cost. I have come to the place, that place many times where I felt like giving up, being bitter, wanting to drink or to turn to anything that'll take the pain, but that's when I haven't given up, and that's when I find that my faith in God is what keeps me driving on. And it is there in that trial that I see it. Everything rises and falls on leadership. On the leadership of God in my life, everything rises and falls on the faithfulness and trustworthiness of, and my leadership to my family. 
Everything rises and falls on the service and faithfulness to the church, the bride of Christ. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Okay. We had a great week. We had 1,200 hours of prayer this week, and it was awesome. For speaking, I had a choice um, when to speak, this weekend or after Easter in April. And um, I chose this week because of the power I knew would be there after a prayer event. And I felt that as we sang the worship songs earlier this week. And my sermon would go better after a prayer event, and I knew that. So that's why I chose tonight. And also I knew worship would go better tonight because for me to lead worship after a prayer event is like throwing a steak to a dog. So you guys are hungry after a prayer event. I just throw, we just throw that first song out there, and you guys take off, and I don't have to do anything. So um, I really appreciate that about prayer events. So prayer events make worship better. But what is worship? Worship, the word is in two parts, worth plus ship. So worship, worth equals worth, and the ship equals scope, like a microscope. So worship is kind of like a microscope or a periscope or any other scope that you can think of, but the scope is looking for worth. And who could be worth more than God? Um, Worshiping and praising God is the most often given commandment in the Bible. The number of occurrences is as many as the second, third, and fourth given commandments put together. So worshiping is the most often given commandment in the Bible. But what is the greatest commandment? To love God. So in other words, to express love to God is the most often given commandment. To love God is the greatest commandment, and to express love to God is the most often given commandment. So worshiping and praising God is the most often given commandment in the Bible. Singing is the major way that God has determined that he will be worshipped. And in Psalms 66.4 it says, All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. So all the earth bows down to you. And that's a key phrase there. All the earth bows down to you. All the earth sings praises to you. All the earth sings the praises of your name. And all the earth means everyone. And that means everyone has to sing. So you can, you know, you can wait until heaven, sing. But if you sing now, you'll be glad when you get to heaven that you chose to sing now. So singing is the major way that God has determined he will be worshipped. A key to good worship is to sing loudly with all your heart and strength. And I can hear Pastor D from here. 
he sings loud, and he sings with all his strength. And the Bible says, shout to the Lord. Psalm 95, 1 says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. So let us shout aloud, shout to the Lord. Um, when I first learned to read in the second grade, uh, I went to a church, a conservative Baptist church, and they said, well, to find the books of the Bible, you just crack open the Bible in the very middle, and you're going to find the book of Psalms. And, you know, that's the hymnal that the Jewish people used. And so as a second grader, I cracked open the Bible, tried to have, you know, equal number of pages on the left and the right. And I started reading the, the Bible for the very first time. And as a second grader, my first impression of the book of Psalms is, why don't we do that? So I compared, as a little kid, I, you know, I didn't know any better. I compared what was in the book of Psalms and all the stuff they were doing to the worship service in my church on a Sunday morning. And my main impression was, why don't we do that? So maybe, you know, that was maybe my first call to be a worship leader as a second grader, noticing that. Um, so a key to good worship is to sing loudly with all your heart and strength. A shout to the Lord. And, you know, that was one of the things I noticed as a second grader. Why don't we shout to the Lord? Um, a key to good worship is to sing loudly with all your heart and strength. The great commandment says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, as you know, the, again, as I said before, the great commandment and the most often given commandment are linked together yet one more time. So, shout to the Lord. The great commandment says, love with all your strength, which means sing with all your strength. So, all this is kind of flowing together. Um, men generally sing poorly because of their pride. And uh, that reminds me, Jonathan Henderson, when he was here, he, one day he pulled me aside and he kind of said, you know, Ben, most guys, they show up to church and they're just looking for a reason to not sing. And I didn't really know that. Or, you know, I'm just up here having a great time. It didn't, it didn't really enter my mind. But he said, yeah, Ben, most guys show up to church and they're looking for a reason to not sing. So men generally sing poorly because of their pride. So if you're, you know, if you're, you have a fear of failure, then you're not, gonna, you're not really just going to go for it when you're singing. And um, so you have to go for it. To worship, when you sing, you have to worship and sing with all your strength, and you've got to sing loud. And this is my main point. We will worship God forever in heaven. And what, you know, what is forever? What is eternity? And I thought of one drop of water. So picture one drop of water, and then picture 
all the oceans on this planet, and then picture that one drop falling into all the oceans on this planet. And so the one drop of water is the, li- the life that we live in the body here, and the ocean is eternity. Now, I thought of something else. Picture if the earth could be cloned and picture one billion planet earths and picture that'd be a billion oceans. Now picture that same one drop of water going into one billion oceans. And that's the difference between this life here that we live in this body and eternity. So eternity is a big deal. We will worship God in forever in heaven for eternity. So I just want to give you a quick history of worship to help us understand what it means to um, worship God forever and eternity. Worship started at the very beginning and will last forever. That's quite a history. Worship started at the very beginning of time and it will last forever. It will never end. We will worship God forever in heaven. But worship began when the universe began. Worship started as the background music to creation. In the book of Job, it says that as God created the universe, all the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. So picture that. You've got God in, you know, in this void, in this darkness, and then he decides to start creating the universe. I mean, that just blows me away right there. And then picture, you know, his backup gospel choir or whatever. And they, I mean, how could you not just start singing and praising him as he do that? As he, I mean, it's just, I, I don't have words for it. So worship started as the background music to creation uh, when all the morning stars sang together. And that's, that's a synonym for angels. So the morning stars, they're angels. And all the angels shouted for joy. Um, so, plan ahead for that. Plan ahead for the fact that um, we'll worship God forever in heaven. If we pray a song, it lasts forever. So, we had 1,200 hours of prayer last week. If, you know, if we really prayed those prayers sincerely, uh, the book of Revelation said those prayers are the prayers of the saints. They go into this bowl of incense that's in heaven, and they stay there. And um, so we, we want to be sure that we pray a song so it will last forever. And eventually, if you do this long enough, you, you pray every song, you will get to the point where you never want to waste a song. You will <laughs> want every single song to go into that bowl of incense. That's awesome. And I'm not there yet, but I've heard that you can get to that point where you never, you never waste a song. So our prayers, our prayers go into the bowl of incense in heaven. So if we make every song a prayer, it's going to send every song into that bowl of incense. So how do we do that? 
And this is from Pastor D. Some, I remember one time he got up here after he did announcements and he prayed uh, something like, Lord, I pray that we will direct the words of these songs to you. And I, I just never thought of it that way before. So it's so simple. Direct the words of the song to God. That's how we pray a song, and that's how we get every song into that bowl of incense. It's going to last forever. Um, so what do we do now when we're singing, you know, in view of that? How shall we then live? What do we now do now? We always are joining in with the everlasting song. So it can begin now. There are songs that have these words in them that remind us that we will worship God forever in heaven. Um, in the song we sing, Ever Be. Your praise will ever be on my lips. That one. There's in the middle part it goes, With angels and saints we sing, Worthy are you, Lord. With angels and saints we sing, Worthy are you, Lord. And sometimes if I'm, if I'm remembering, while we sing that, I just picture that. That this room here, we're doing the same thing that the angels and saints are doing up in heaven. And just like just kind of having a, a connection between this sanctuary and heaven. What do we need now? Okay, ever be the other another song we sing is Storm All Around You. And that song is basically a summary of all the worship scenes in heaven, which have always blown me away. It's not from one single scene, but in the song Storm All Around You, we travel to heaven, basically, in our minds, and we join in with that heavenly worship. And it reminds us that we will worship God forever in heaven. There's another great song Crown him with many crowns. Crown him with many crowns. We sing, Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. So when we sing that, it's like we're wanting to go and worship God in heaven. And it says, Oh, that with yonder sacred throng, so that's the angels and saints, we at his feet may fall. That's God, so. With all the angels and saints, that we could fall at God's feet and that we could join in the everlasting song. There it is again. We will worship God forever in heaven and crown him Lord of all. So we will worship God forever what do we do now let forever start now in first john it says and in that fellowship we enjoy the eternal life that god came to give us so in that fellowship with god we enjoy right now right here the eternal life that god came to give us so, forever can start now. Plan ahead for heaven. 
Pray each song. Never waste a song. Because we will worship God forever in heaven. I want to encourage every guy that's in here that hasn't taken the leadership class to do it. I couldn't do it because I was leading worship this at this time. And used to be, it was only Saturday nights. Now it's in Sunday afternoons. And there's also right now a Thursday night one. So it's offered at three different times. Um, guys, take the leadership class and learn about worship. So most of what I told you today is just from Dee's lesson on worship in the leadership class. And um, you're going to learn about worship and many other super important things. So thank you. My, everybody can hear me? Is that okay? Um, my name's Eric Henschel, and uh, I'll tell you a little story before I get started, and it just hit me two seconds ago as hearing this stuff. Friday, I sat down to do this sermon and get it, I had it written up before, and just to fine-tune it and try to get everything dialed in perfect, and I came out real early to my business, and I did my dedication and prayer to God. And I sat down, opened the computer, and started writing, doing all this stuff and getting it perfect. I turned Andy Stanley on he, on YouTube to teach me how to do the proper sermon. And I kid you not, the lights went out in the, in the whole place. And I'm sitting in the dark. Okay, and I'm going, oh boy. But you know what happened is we had a lot of customers that were supposed to come in and everything else. And my guys came in. And for the next four and a half hours... My guys and me sat down in the dark and talked about God and Jesus, and we witnessed to each other. Sorry. Um, the lights came on about noon, and believe it or not, we still got everything done that we planned on doing that day. So God, God does work in mysterious ways. Thank you for that. little. I just wanted to get that out. Um, I've been taking the leadership class offered by Dee. And taking this class has made me realize more and more that all of us can be spiritual leaders if we believe in Christ, believe that he died for our sins, and believe that we truly want to help each other follow Christ and help people that, that need it in their daily walk. Spiritual leaders in this world might be the President of the United States, General in the Army, a pastor of a church in Jefferson, Oregon, the owner of a small business, a parent, a grandparent, or yourself when someone's looking to you for an answer that is important in that person's life. Leaders, leadership is not because of a position or a title, but it's a gift God allows us to bring more people to Christ. Very important. We go through this life trying to stay focused and do the right things that are pleasing to God, God which can be a real struggle at times. But a true follower of Christ will take the time to help others in their time of need without grief, selfishness, or any kind of expectations. I personally have battled with this a lot, and I have to catch myself and not be negative sometimes when people ask me for help. I'm a busy person. I have to slow down and help someone. It's just sometimes it's really tough for me. I've felt like I've given my time and effort to people in the past, 
to try to help them out and sometimes get very frustrated that they don't change to see the light, if you will. However, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so it will give grace to those who hear. Some I learned in class, and it just sticks with me. Even though it has taken me a lot of years, I'm slowly understanding that a follower of Christ has to pull the people he's trying to help and not push them into anything. It is like the rope analogy. You can pull with a rope all day, but it's impossible to push with that rope. We need to pull people into Christ by showing them something worthwhile, but not push them into something that is unknown or overwhelming. During those times when I'm frustrated with people that I've tried to help, I'm really missing the point of God's word and how Jesus would handle this. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. This says that during the times I'm totally busy or preoccupied, I need to stop and help people that I can help or listen to people that have come to me for help. By doing this, I will be following the law of, law of Christ and even though I might not feel rewarded at that time, I will be rewarded in heaven for it. Also, it says in Proverbs 3.27, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is, your, when it is in your power to do it. God brings these people in our lives with a need, and God provides us the ability to help and listen, but we still have an issue with following through with help or guidance due to our own selfishness, or insecurities. I truly believe God doesn't expect perfection when we help people. I really truly believe he, want, he wants to do the best we can with the tools and knowledge he's provided with us, for us. God would never turn you away or think your issue is too petty or unimportant. I've tried to help some people in the past and I've really tried to give them that amazing show-stopping advice. You know, pride thing probably. But we'll Months after one of those talks, a person came up to me and said, you know what, thanks for being here. It means so much to me. Not anything I said, but just being there and praying for them was what was important for them. You never know how you're going to touch someone's heart. John 15, 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. As I read this and think about it, it doesn't say it's a good suggestion or a good idea. It states this is a commandment that we love one another as I've loved you. Being a Christ-like example, I believe, is a spiritual gift on its own. Even leading by showing a solid Christ-like way of life is being a leader. It is easy to be distracted this world and go the easy route, or the way of the many, or to fit in or look cool. What we really need to do is be a leader for Christ through our actions. As it says in Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. A respected Christ-like person has to earn respects by his actions. He can, never be, he can never be inconsistent in his actions or walk either. You will lose the respect and trust from the people that are looking to you for guidance way, way, way faster than you've ever earned it. It's a slippery slope. You've got to be careful and, and stay consistent. I would encourage all of you to look at who you can help and do something about it. It might not seem like that big a deal in your life, but it might be huge in the person that needs your help. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be rewarded for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Good or bad. So the scenario that I've thought about goes like this. When God says, I'm, I am done here on earth, I'll be standing in front of God at the judgment seat of Christ, and God says, Eric, I have some things that I'd like to discuss with you, and it's going to take a while, so you might want to get comfortable. As we go through the long, long list of things that I should have done better, God asks, Eric, do you remember that guy that walked into the high school and shot all those people in Florida? I reply to God, yes, but what does it have to do with me? God replies, Eric, do you realize that I brought him into your life to get some help from you and you ignored him? That scenario is something that we need to think about and realize how much we can do for people if we follow God's plan and help each other in our daily walk. How would this world be different if we took time to talk to the person sitting alone in the corner or spend time talking to someone that looks like they are lost or down in their luck? One hello, a smile, try to make them laugh, some praise, inviting them to an event at church, or any conversation at all might just be enough to make that person's day or even week. It might just be enough to change their direction or life into a more positive path. And remember, this works for people that are lost without Christ, and it also works for your brothers and sisters in Christ. They need that as well. Don't expect to know if it's helped at the time, but if you're being and acting as Christ would have, it will go a long way to pleasing God. I am very sensitive about this, as I did not grow up in a Christian home, and I was that kid in school that sat in the corner lot and was ignored and shunned by classmates. I pray to God that no one has to go through that. Proverbs says, your kindness will reward you, your cruelty will destroy you. Good spiritual leadership makes you walk on this earth. Excuse me. Good spiritual leadership makes your walk on this earth. Your families in this church have honor and quality that I believe God wants in all our lives. I am not sure what my spiritual gift is, but I pray to God to help me develop it and be able to use it to help others in a more efficient and Christ-like way. I would encourage all of you to think that, about that as well and ask what you could do to help someone in need like bring people to Christ or how you can serve to help with the church. Ways that we can help others are always needed, and finding out what you can do should be a personal decision between you and God and do something that honors God. As we think about how all this matters and if we should be involved with helping people and the church, let's think about Jesus. Jesus is the king of kings, yet he was put on this earth to serve mankind. If we can't, boy, that's, that hits me. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life ransom for many. If it's okay, I'd like to close in prayer on this. Um, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you provide for us. God, I pray to you that all of us will gain strength and sensitivity to listen and understand for opportunities to help people. While doing this, I pray that we do it for your plan, and all we do is in your honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.